Warning. 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 Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? It's the Police Officers Association of Michigan podcast radio show, recorded live from our studios in Redford, Michigan. Home is a full-service labor organization formed to provide every labor-related service from negotiations, grievance processing, legal and legislative representation to Act 312 arbitrations. This is Ed Jocks, uh, Director of Member Services for the Police Officers Association of Michigan, and uh, we're conducting another podcast and our guest today is Dave LaMontagne. Now Dave has been the well he's been in the law enforcement profession for 17 years. Stints in Hamtramck, Wayne County Sheriff's Office, and the last 11 years as a Monroe County Deputy. Dave's the president of the Monroe County Deputy Sheriff's Association and was appointed to the POEM Executive Board in 2007. Dave also serves as POEM business agent for the Wayne County Deputy Sheriff's Association and also the Airport, what's the name of the association, Dave? Is the Airport uh, Metro Detroit Airport Police Officers Association as well? Detroit Metro Police Officers Association. At one time, those groups were together under Correct. under the, uh, was it the Wayne County Banner? Well, they've been separate agencies, I think, for about four or five years now. But uh, they're two separate collective bargaining units. At one point, they were one collective bargaining unit. That's and you represent both of them now. That's correct. Um Dave, you know, about 15 years ago, we're, our topic today uh, for the people tuning in is going to be about uh, being uh, politically active as a public safety uh, local association. And uh, POAM preaches this all the time. Uh, every year at the convention, our, our guests come and, and uh, our lobbyist, Tim Ward, comes and talks about the importance of it. Ken Grabowski, our legislative director, uh, uh, preaches about this all the time. And for good reason, because uh, we've seen some excellent results when when uh, when they followed the rules and uh, and gotten involved in the process. Dave, about 15 years ago, I think this was shortly before you came president of the uh, Monroe County Deputy Sheriff's Association. POEM took over the unit that was really in dire need of political savvy and the hard work necessary to improve working conditions at the Monroe County Sheriff's Department. Can you elaborate on that, bit? Yeah, well, Ed, that's a good that's a good question. I just want to start off before we get into the uh, the media the discussion here. Politics and politicians in general have a negative connotation. I know people in general and police officers in particular don't really care for politics. And I want to try to change the mindset a little bit when we're talking about this stuff here today. Politics is really about relationships. And I'll mention this many times today, because of the nature of our chosen profession, being police officers, we come in contact with a lot of different people. In the contacts we make, to varying degrees, there are relationships formed. This is the basis for political activity, really, these relationships. If you sit and think about it for a minute, you'll realize that all of us have been involved in relationships of one form or another uh, since we were kids, whether it's hanging out with the cool kids in the playground, dating relationships, all through the lifespan, we form relationships. Those of us that are successful in these political endeavors are successful because of the relationships we've formed. Now, the answer to your question, um, the president of the Monero County Deputy Sheriff's Association at that time was a, a guy by the name of Bill Myers. Now, Bill Myers um, built our union and our association from the ground up. Uh, and in having conversations with him after all this stuff took place. He, he lamented that he never had the support from his membership 
that he felt was necessary to build that political base. Uh, Bill always saw the big picture, but he, was, but he was operating with a seasoned membership that long ago grew weary of the games that were being played with them by the sheriff and uh, the board of commissioners. A sheriff at that time would routinely violate the contract, displace, or flat-out fire people without cause. It's a significant problem. A lot of that was solved by voting in POM as the bargaining agent. And shortly thereafter, a new sheriff was elected. And those those two things in concert uh, led to working conditions improving in a dramatic way. Okay, so we, we've got some uh, some of our local units that are, are frustrated and um – and let's just say uh, peeved at their local city council, their township uh, supervisors, their township board, their county commissioners, what have you. And uh, they want to get involved and they want to get started. How does a local bargaining unit proceed when entering the political process? Well, I guess in an ideal setting, uh, you want to start small, uh, perhaps with uh, something like a ballot proposal, uh, something that can hone your political skills a little bit without uh, any jeopardy. Another way is to try to get members of your own local to run for school boards, township boards, or you know even citywide races or countywide races. All the principles are the same for these different races. It just on, depends on the larger scale. Uh, and you have to be sure that you're not only reaching out to your members, but your friends as well. As we talked about earlier, this, thing, this theme with the relationships will come up time and time and time again. As police officers, by the very nature of the job, we come in contact with a lot of people. You have to utilize these contacts as potential candidates and as supporters of these ballot proposals or your your political agenda in general. Well, let, um, now let me give you an example here, and then maybe we can uh, break it down even further for some of the groups that are interested in getting started. I happen to know in one uh, uh, Metro Detroit community, it's a public safety department, um, and uh, the community was fairly well off, um, and they really were getting – uh, the sheriff's department was hovering over the public safety department all the time. Every time they would go to negotiations, there would be talk about uh, bringing the sheriff's department into bid on, on on patrolling the community, and 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 they were actually even talking to neighboring communities about pr- providing fire service and dispatch and all that. And they became very frustrated. And they had recently joined POEM, and myself and Ken Grabowski worked very close with the group and. Basically, what we did was they formed a committee, I think, of three folks, and they sent letters out to all the city council candidates saying that they were now involved in the process and uh, that they would welcome them to come and uh, ask for the group's endorsement. I mean, is that a good way to start? Well, that's one, that's one thing, and I think uh, there's, a, there's some discussion uh, later on about endorsements in particular, and it's a subject that um, – people don't really realize how important this endorsement means to politicians, politicians all across the spectrum. So that is an excellent way uh, to kind of dip your toe in the water there and see you know, just how important this, this process is. And that'll, that'll let the locals know that you know, what they do on any level is going to make a difference. Yeah, in this particular case, uh, all the candidates responded. They were a little miffed because they'd never been asked before, and I think it's another – in maybe in their mind, another hoop they had to go through, another endorsement they had to get, more work they had to do, more involved uh, on a particular subject they had to get. But in the end, they all showed up, and they elected the entire slate in that city council. 
So it, it does work even sometimes right from Jump Street, uh, depending on the size of the community and the kind of impact and respect that the public safety personnel may have in that community. Now, but Dave, outside of, well, how much work uh, outside of the group's endorsement is necessary to ensure, you know, a candidate's victory? Well, more often than not, uh, you know, I see locals make this mistake uh, quite a bit. Endorsing a candidate is only one step of the process. Uh, it's one part of what really should be a strategy to get somebody elected. Uh, elections are won on the doorsteps of the voters, and that's where you make your bones, on the doorsteps. Uh, it may be painful for some to sacrifice some of their time to campaign, but it's a critical component. You lose credibility if you just endorse and then don't do anything. Right. You need to do something behind that that makes that endorsement worthwhile. How much does a uh, candidate's political affiliation matter? Well, a lot of that depends, you know, geographically, um, and there's really no short, easy answer for that. Um, in Monroe, for example, uh, where I'm from, you routinely see Democrats at NRA dinners. Now, that will, it's not the case in your large metropolitan areas. Right. But I guess the easy, the easy answer is that you, you want to support a candidate uh, independent of the party who shares your philosophies. Um, I have seen campaigns and participated in campaigns where the party supported the candidate and that didn't work, and where the party did not support the candidate and that didn't work. So it can be of a benefit if the party supports a candidate or does not, but it could also easily be overcome. So that's not something you want to hang your hat on. It's the person, not the party, more often than not. Yeah, and you know when you get into the bigger picture with the bigger demographics, you know, um, I'll just cite an example about POAM. I mean, I think uh, four years ago, uh, we endorsed almost 60% Republicans. And then uh, four years later, it was uh, pretty much reversed. We had uh, endorsed about 60% Democrat. And what we found is that the, you know, the the older style unions that always typically um, endorse Democrats, uh, those people over the course of the last 25 or 30 years have just been taken for granted. Because they know no matter what that those particular people will not endorse uh, the Republicans. And so even though they get that endorsement, they end up taking it for granted. And POAM has never taken that stance, and we never recommend that. But we also know that there are special dynamics, certainly in smaller communities, that you have to be aware of. Well, there, listen, the, the labor movement all across this state and the country, uh, for that matter, is changing. It's changing dramatically um, you know, those stalwart, um, die-in-the-wool Democrats, always endorsed by, you know, the big, the big unions, the, the membership of these unions is changing dramatically. So you're starting to see a little bit of a shift in a lot of that. And that's why it's important to not, as you mentioned, you don't want to take for granted that, you know, these, if you're supporting candidate X and he's of, you know, party Y, you don't want to assume that all these other people are going to just fall in line because of the party affiliation. You should never make that assumption. Yeah. Uh, Dave, should a should a local unit ask for the help of its mother union, in this case POAM, in the campaign? What role would POAM play in some campaigns? Well, you mentioned POAM. Obviously, uh, there is no other police union with a network of political relationships at all levels of government that that the Police Officers Association of Michigan has. Uh, their legislative team is unrivaled uh, by police unions and many other. Uh, non-police unions. And they work tremendously hard to advocate for police issues at the local level, the state level, and the federal level. 
What I think is often overlooked uh, by our local associations is the aid of sister unions. Uh, police officers seem to forget that almost all police unions in the state are organized. We're, we are part of the labor movement. Our brothers and sisters in the UAW, for example, have been eviscerated by the loss of manufacturing jobs, and the spotlight is now shining on public sector unions. The experiences that these other unions went through and the trials and tribulations that they had and support uh, should, not only be over, should not be overlooked, but it should be sought out. Do not forget about these other unions. Oftentimes, um, in the county structure or in the city structure, these other unions are part of the cycle of collective bargaining that goes on. And you may come after a UAW group. You may go before a Teamster group. And you should always, um, if you can, establish relationships with your sister unions. Right. And, and also on a note uh, from a POAM note is, is that, uh, that we are obviously very, very active uh, in political action all across the state, is that we are very interested in the local races. In fact, um, when Ken Grabowski and the committee uh, that Ken oversees uh, makes their endorsements, uh, those endorsements generally stem from uh, – prompting from the from the local association that we represent in that community. Nobody's ever endorsed without checking with the local association to make sure the person, the judge, or whatever candidate we're, we're supporting is well-liked and respected by the local unit as well. But if the local unit has a candidate that they ve- feel very, very strongly about and that they're working with, I know that we want to encourage them to contact POAM and, and, and also help ensure the POAM endorsement as well, too. Well, that's a great point, Ed. Uh, I know um, in working in a number of campaigns, we've had issues with some larger uh, manufacturing unions uh, where their leadership endorsed candidates that on the local level where we were operating uh, were not pro-labor, were not police-friendly, and went against the membership of their local in these endorsements. And POEM uh, has never done that. I know that uh, 18 of the 19 last candidates that my association supported in the last election cycle won, and all those had the endorsement of the POM in addition to our endorsement. So that's a great point. Um, that's something that, that we take for granted because we're members of POM, but there are, there are other unions that don't do that, and that causes harm to you on the local level. At this point, we're going we're gonna to take a short break, probably 30 seconds or so, and we're going to bring you a message by one of our preferred vendors. The preferred vendors help make this podcast available, help us defray the cost of the website and, and other important functions that POEM provides. So we'll be right back. Okay, Mrs. Jenkins, we're all set. We found you the vehicle with everything you wanted. It's perfect. Well, that's what we strive for here at LaFontaine Automotive Group. So your paperwork is almost complete. I just need one more piece of personal information. One time in college, I ended up in a tattoo parlor at 3 a.m. where I had a picture of a unicorn inked onto an undisclosed part of my body. It was wild. It was crazy. But I'm glad I did it, and I'd probably do it again today, right now. Uh, okay, so the personal information that I need is just a copy of your driver's license. Right... So much choice, so little time. It's time to get into LaFontaine Toyota Dearborn for great family deals. Like a new Toyota Corolla LE for $169 a month for a 36-month lease. Or a new Camry LE for $199 a month for a 36-month lease with zero down payment. Security deposit is waived. $450 to its signing includes first payment, document, and transfer fees. Must qualify for owner loyalty. Leases are for 12,000 miles per year. Call 866-LAFONTAINE for details. Come on into LaFontaine. 
Okay, we're back. Dave, how does a union stay involved after the election, uh, whether that candidate wins or loses? Well, I've often, uh, when I get asked this question, I get asked this question a lot, um, local associations should try to be active in their community all year long. Um, it could be as easy as supporting one of your members' t-ball teams. It could be as complex as holding political fundraisers. But you always want to be involved in your community. The last thing that you want to do is when you're in trouble on something or you're supporting a candidate in the 12th hour to show up in somebody's doorstep and says, hey, uh, vote for this guy because I'm the, I'm the police. Right. That doesn't work. Community involvement is huge. You, if you keep your name out there in the community, these people will remember that. And, and more often than not, they'll support your ballot proposal or candidate based on that involvement. Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, if during the course of, uh, if it's two years in between elections and, uh, you know, people recognize that you've endorsed a candidate and then they see that name, the Monroe County Deputy Sheriff's Association name on the back of a Little League uh, uh, uniform or maybe at a hospital fundraiser they see as a, uh, as a donor or anything else. Maybe it's even a public awareness campaign that's going on in the community. That gives you credibility. Well, I'll give you a couple examples. I'm glad you brought that up. In Monroe, uh, we participate in a series of events throughout the year, whether it be a trade fair, a home builder show, uh, a hockey fundraiser, I'm all at, these I'm things. I'm down at the FOP Hall all the time for stuff that you guys are doing. Well, that's because... Uh, we've recognized that people remember this stuff. Uh, if you hand them a sticker that's got your association on it, you buy a ruler or a nail file, these things, these trinkets that you give away throughout the year, people keep these things, they look at them, they see them, and it reminds them that, you know, you're here doing good work for the community, and they they remember that. Well, here's, here's the big um, question that we get a lot, or the concern that we get a lot when we are trying to uh, – um, help some of the local associations get involved their, their, their question their first question always is what happens if the candidates lose you know we're going to get pounded and uh, there's payback time can you address that issue what are the ramifications if you lose well let me ask you i mean i think there's there's jeopardy either way that there's jeopardy if you do something there's jeopardy if you don't do anything um there have been instances where the local associations back to candidate and there's been some, there was reprisals. Uh, but those cases are really few and far in between. Uh, the thing to keep in mind when approaching a situation like this is that sometimes uh, a victory can be attained just by causing that candidate to spend money or campaign harder because of your efforts. You don't always have to win to be successful. Uh, in Monroe, for example, we tied a 10-year incumbent county commissioner uh, in a race, in a primary she ultimately prevailed. They picked her name out of a coffee can, as we talked about before. But you don't always have to win. you got to be in the fight, though, to be relevant. Yeah, and what, what I've learned, too, is, is that um, you know politicians, a lot of times, uh, this is kind of a career for them. Certainly, if they're a state rep or they want to become a state senator or maybe even a commissioner or something, um, they're going to stay involved in politics for years and years and years. And I think... If you if you fight a good fight, and um, and you get your message out, and even though you lose, that politician will recognize that you're going to be back in two years, continuing, and you're probably going to be a little bit wiser, 
in a little bit more savvy than you were two years ago, maybe even have a little bit uh, more resources, and they're going to have to keep dealing with you. And they don't want to. They'd rather have you as part of their coalition. So it, you know, by always being there and sending the message that you're always going to be there, um, you're going to probably encourage them to maybe uh, have discussions with you and your group, find out what your issues are, and they're going to try to win you over to their side for the next for the next round of uh, elections. Well, that goes back to your last question. We talked about involvement. You have to be involved year-round, and this is one piece of that involvement. How important is the endorsement of a public safety group, Dave? Well, endorsement of police unions has and uh, continues to be sought after by politicians all across the spectrum of public offices. Uh, the endorsement of your association can be a very powerful tool for you, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, your endorsement process, at a minimum, uh, should be really spelled out in your local association bylaws. Uh, these bylaws are often ambiguous, which gives you some room to you know, address certain issues. Uh, but at a minimum, and this is just a bare minimum, at each local association should develop a questionnaire of issues that's important to them. Each candidate seeking your endorsement should be screened by an endorsement committee. Each candidate should provide in writing, if possible, uh, their answers to your questionnaire. These are things that's important to you. The bottom line here is that there should be no free lunch. Uh, if a candidate seeks your endorsement, there will be, they should never pass on an opportunity to define important issues. And this is one way of defining an issue for your association with these people. And this will also serve as a reminder to our friends that the issues they said they'll uphold remain a legislative priority. You want to keep these things. Right. And, and those issues may be a little bit different. If you're endorsing a judge, a lot of our groups endorse, endorse judges because we're, we're in public safety and you build a case and you go to court and you want to make sure that, uh, that uh, you, know, you, you know, you get a fair trial and, and the evidence, if it's reasonable evidence, is, is entered in, in, in certain uh, uh, punishment is is put out. So your criteria maybe for endorsing a judge may be different than a township supervisor who may well, set policies and procedures for the police department, vote yes or no on a tentative agreement that's been reached, so forth and so on. Well, that's yeah, that's absolutely true. When you when you do these questionnaires, you want to talk about rocket science here, okay? You, you know, you've got a number of issues. I mean, everybody's got the same issues right now. We're talking about staffing levels, layoff, right. recall, these things that, you know, everybody's struggling with. You want to be sure in this questionnaire that you don't get, you know, you don't want to confuse things. Your issues with a judge may be a little bit different, but you always want to be hammering on those certain things. You know, you want to pick at least four and make it consistent, you know, through the spectrum of these politicians, whether it be in the state level, federal level, local, township, etc. What can a union uh, legitimately expect from uh, from a prevailing candidate if they've uh, played a significant role in the victory? Well, this is you know this is a slippery slope that that you can go down, and right. I, I want to caution local associations about this. You want to you want to be sure that you're seeking out candidates that share your philosophy. Our candidates will vote to represent their constituents, which includes you and members of your association, by the way. Often, all local associations want is for their politicians to vote in a manner that reflects their personal beliefs. So it's important, you know, when you're thinking about this stuff, you, there's not going to be a quid pro quo here. You want to select somebody that, that shares your beliefs and values, and more often than not, when they vote, that'll be in line with those beliefs and values which you share. So you should see some success. You must never, should never expect all the votes to go your way. No. 
and and in essence, like you say, you know, uh, that's a good point about sharing your philosophy. Philosophy, you guys will agree on most of the issues if you have the same philosophical uh, uh, look at uh, how communities are run, or police departments, or sheriff's departments are run. Um, but anyway, how far how far up the food chain of political races should uh, a local union be involved? And and I, and I just wanted to finish my point on that too. I, I I sort of had a brain skip there too. But with these candidates, I mean, what you really want is, if nothing else is, if there is an issue that you may disagree with, at least you want to have an audience with that. And so be able to talk to that candidate about that particular issue that they will, maybe even before voting on a particular issue, at least talk to your local association about it and hear your side of it. Oh, remember, um, right, off the t- right off the top, I said that all of this is about relationships. When you reach out to these candidates or they reach out to you, you're going to develop a relationship. Part of that relationship is going to be defined by your questionnaire, and part of that's going to be defined on you may know this person. You may have sought this person out to run for this office. So those relationships will bear fruit for you if you've got the right candidate. All right. So let's go back to my uh, next question is how far up the food chain should the uh, you know uh, should associations go in the political process? Well, I think – um, that there's that there's a role for local associations all the way up to the highest office in the land. And the reason I say that is that um, in conjunction with POAM and Ken Grabowski, um, we've been advocating for another round of COPS grants funding. As you know, we sent a letter to the entire Michigan congressional delegation, uh, which was hand-delivered by our lobbyist, uh, Dennis McGran in Washington, D.C. And the vice president of the United States sent me a letter acknowledging that he had saw this document. And, you know, that one of the nice things about being a member of the Police Officers Association of Michigan is that we have full-time lobbyists, both in Lansing and Washington, D.C. And this allows for as much political activity as you want and for as much help as you want in that process. So it's not out of the question for a a municipality, a local small police department, to be involved in their state rep race. Absolutely not. Right. You should be involved right. in your and state, state rep race. And your state senate race as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what what kind of experience, um, you know, and we talk about this, this the state political positions, the state senate and uh, um, the state reps and governor and, and attorney general as well, too. What what role have, has, have you seen term limits playing? In the process, well, I'm I'm not a fan of term limits. Okay, I I think that you have a term limit every time there's an election. If you don't like that person, then you need to do something about that at the ballot box. I like to think about this in terms of you know being a police officer. Okay, when you're hired to be a police officer, you spend 16 weeks with a veteran officer in a field training program. Sometimes it's more than 16 weeks, depending on the situation. After that, you spend a year on probation. And, you know, think about how you felt as a, as a two-year a copper on the street. I mean, were you really ready to handle everything that they could throw at you? Or did you need a couple more years of seasoning uh, before you were ready for everything that they can throw at you? And if you think about, you know, term limits in the sense on the state level, you know, these guys were up for election two years, term limited in four, the state senate's a little different. But 
you know, just about the time a guy figures out where his parking spot is, you know, he's got to be running for reelection again. Well, yeah. And um, a lot of times it's we finally educated some of these folks about what Act 312 compulsory arbitration is and how it works and what its history is, probably um, giving them another side of the 312 issue that they haven't heard before because they may be getting information from the Michigan Municipal League and other lobbyist organization. And, uh, you know, they're up for reelection. Or they're term limited after after two terms, and a new guy's coming in, and we have to continue to repeat the process. So, I think what it does is just emphasize, at least on a on a state level, how you have to just keep after this all the time. Well, let me let me just highlight uh, that point. Um, there is a tremendous amount of jeopardy on the state level um, if you're not involved in what's going on there. Uh, just recently. Uh, you know, Tim Ward, our lobbyist in, in uh, Lansing, um, alerted us to the governor's uh, budget recommendations, where they, or she proposed that they steal money from the secondary road right. funds. All right, now being a deputy sheriff, that's something that I've got a problem with. And um, POAM was the only uh, police labor group that testified before that subcommittee. I testified before that subcommittee. Right. Well, we would have not heard anything about that or known anything about that had it not been for Tim Ward keeping his finger on the pulse of what was happening up there and alerting us to that. So that is a huge benefit uh, to have that guy there in Lansing and then, you know, Dennis McGran in Washington, D.C. Tremendous, tremendous value. Dave, can you address uh, some of the special dynamics involved in municipal races versus countywide elections? And, and the point I'm trying to make is in sheriff's department, I mean, the sheriff is an elected Official. That's a political position, maybe even more than a law enforcement position. Um, you know, and also the commissioners are all elected, and those are people that vote on contracts, approve contracts, policies, and procedures for for the for the uh, sheriff's department. So, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, we talked with Kenny about this a lot. I like to think about this in terms: you got to follow the money. Okay, if you're, I'm a deputy sheriff. Okay, so my funding uh, source is the county board of commissioners. Um, if you work in a township, then you know it's the township, and it's, right. it carries on down the down the line. Now these principles um, are the same, and the strategies are the same across this spectrum. It doesn't matter whether it's a county or a village or a township. Uh, you did mention that uh, the sheriff—that's uh, a political office. I remember when I, I started on the job in Wayne County, it, it was baffling to me that the sheriff was not a a police officer. The guy was an attorney. We know we were right. talking about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you, uh, you know, this kind of highlights this whole topic of conversation we're talking about here is I was the chair of the sheriff's election campaign the last time he ran. Okay. He won. Uh, he has never gone against us on our contract. He's never. Now you're talking about in Monroe County. I'm talking now. about in Monroe okay. County. Yeah. And if you work for, you know, people always say, well, I, you know, you work for a sheriff's department. That's a political, that's a political animal. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you know, my brother's a Redford Township police officer and don't think that they're not dealing with publics or uh, politics in Redford Township right now. Everywhere you work, there's politics. Now, it's not as clear to define as like if in a sheriff's office, but everywhere you work, there's politics. And then we go back to this thing about relationships. That's what this is all about. Right. You develop them, you foster them, and you reap what you sow. Dave, thanks a lot for, for all your advice today. Um, are you going to be available to give advice or guidance to local associations think about dive, uh, you know that are thinking about diving into the political waters? 
Well, the, the, the short answer is yes, of course. Um, last year at the, uh, the conference, our yearly conference in Grand Rapids, uh, Ken Grabowski and I and Tim Ward and Dennis McGrann put on a, a, a political function. Uh, there was a PowerPoint presentation that is available uh, to our members uh, should they choose to inquire about that. They can contact you here at the office or yes. through the website. Right. Uh, we'll be happy to give them to that. Uh, I have had people call me uh, from the far-flung part of this, of this state inquiring about these issues. And I want to just mention uh, that you know, public sector unions, okay, that's us, um, have fought and gained through collective bargaining certain benefits. All of these things are under assault right now. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, our brothers and sister unions in the manufacturing sector have been gutted, and now all eyes are on us. And it falls to us and our locals to develop a multi-front strategy to defend what we have. And it's through this political process that we can do some of that. Politics or relationships have to be part of the strategy. The difference between having a seat at the table when these talks are happening and being on the outside looking in is very, very thin. And it's through politics that victory can still be attained in these things. We have to be involved in this process to have a seat at that table. Well, listen, thanks for everything, Dave. I want to remind all of our listeners, too, that uh, uh, you can contact uh, anybody at the POAM through the website, POAM.net. Uh, you guys all have our phone numbers. Feel free to call, talk to me. Uh, you can talk to Dave, or you can uh, you can give uh, get some ideas from our legislative director uh, Kenneth Grabowski as well too. But we want to encourage everybody to get involved, and we're available to assist in every way that we can. I also wanted to uh, remind you folks that uh, the next podcast is going to be coming from Washington D.C., and we're going to be at the Tune In. Uh, the tune-in is, uh, is uh, we, we sponsor a reception there that pretty much goes on all day uh, for officers all over the country. And you don't have to be a POAM member Mich from Michigan, California, uh, New York, Florida. Uh, the officers are there to enjoy a, a cold beverage and a sandwich on, on POAM and, and share some stories and, uh, and uh, maybe talk about some of their brothers and sisters uh, that they're there to honor. So uh, we're going to be doing a podcast from there, and it's going to be kind of fun, and we're going to be interviewing officers from all over the country. So look forward to that in the next uh, few weeks. We're also going to be interviewing uh, probably some of our state senators. We're in the process right now of uh, setting up a podcast actually in the uh, uh, Senate building when we have our legislative reception there. And so we'll probably hear from some of our prominent uh, uh, federal officials there as well, too. Another podcast will be coming from the POAM convention at the end of the month in uh, Grand Rapids as well, too. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll, talk, we'll see you guys soon. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of the POAM podcast radio show. I want to remind you that each and every month you can find every single podcast online on Apple iTunes. Just search for POAM. They're also available for download or for live listen on our website. Visit us at POAM.net. Get on our newsletter and send us all of your comments and suggestions for future shows.